Uh, I have something very special that I want to share. About five weeks ago, uh, the, the pastor had approached me through uh, email on the phone about taking a prayer spot, and I said, sure, I'd be glad to. And that Saturday night, uh, the Lord showed me a verse of Scripture in Zephaniah. Uh, how many of you have heard of this thing called prophecy? How many of you know prophecy deals with good and bad things? If, you, if you've read the Word of God, you know that. It deals with good things and bad things. Well, uh, I read one verse of Scripture, and, uh, and then I prayed, and the Lord God in that prayer, as He has been for the last several weeks, everybody getting up, that just the anointing of the Holy Spirit is here so strongly. And uh, the pastor approached me after service, and he asked me about filling in for him. This has been three weeks ago, and he said, uh, 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 could you do me a favor? I said, sure. Uh, I wished I would have said that, well, what is it first before I said, sure. <laughs> and I said, no, sure. I, he said, uh, uh, could you do me a favor? Could you expound on that? Could you develop that, what you shared? He said, the Lord was in that, to our, and that was to our church. I said, yeah, I know. That's what I felt. That's why the Lord brought me to that passage of Scripture, because it was for this body of believers. And he said, could you develop that some more? And while I'm go gone, perhaps preach that? And I said, I'll tell you what. I said, uh, could, you, could you do me a favor for me now? Uh, would you allow me the, the privilege, if I feel uncomfortable with it, <laughs> could I preach something else? He said, sure. Well, later on the week, I talked to him. And he encouraged me again. I'm glad he did because <laughs> I found some stuff you won't believe. It is unbelievable. This week there were two confirmations about this. And I, I know that's why the devil's fought me so hard this whole week long is because there were two confirmations about this message uh, this last week. And then once again here today, this morning, there was a confirmation. <laughs> how, how many of you know God is a good God? How you know, some of us are a little more needy than others. And I needed those confirmations, all three of them. <laughs> if you have your Bibles, I want to ask you to stand for the reading of God's Word. We're going to turn to Zephaniah chapter 3. Zephaniah chapter 3. Chapter 3, and we're going to start... At verse 14. Now, let me set a little bit of a backdrop here. Everything prior to this verse is not good. It's, if you'll read the text, uh, Zephaniah, the book before it, Habakkuk, Micah, Nahum, these are all what they refer to in the Old Testament as minor prophets. These are minor prophets. That means, and you can tell they're minor because the chapters aren't all that big. But the problem with those, how, how, many don't, how many of you do not like hearing this thing called judgment? Nobody likes hearing that. That's not a pleasant word. And it's not pleasant because we know what it means. It's never a pleasant thing when you talk about judgment. But I want to set something straight here, right here and now. There are many today who believe that because of terrible, the terrible things that are happening on this earth that God is judging people, especially out in California. If you live out in California, you're doomed. Everybody's judging California. I'm serious. Listen, and, and what's sad about that is 
when you listen to people, a lot of the times, you know who it is that's saying judgment is upon the people? Christians. Well, I'm sorry to say that many of these Christians do not know the Word of God. And I'm going to show you and I'm going to distinguish. There is a difference there. We need to understand that God, yes, He is going to bring judgment. But we must understand judgment has already come in the form of what He put on Jesus when He was on the cross. He took our judgment. How many of you understand we are in the time of grace now? I don't care how bad, how ugly people get, how awful they are, how mean they can be, the awful things that they do, the things that they say. I want to tell you, nothing surprises me this day because Jesus prophesied, he said, when these last days come, it's going to get worse. It's not going to get better. But I want to tell you, in the midst of the fact that it is getting worse, the wonderful thing is we are on the Lord's side. God is for us. And I just feel right now, somebody needs to hear this. God is not against you. He's for you. Amen. Now let's read this. With this in mind, that all those minor prophets, it was all gloom and doom. God's talking about their stiff-neckedness, their rebellion, their sins, all the atrocious things they're doing. Now watch this. We get here to the near the end of the chapter. Hey, have you ever talked to somebody who had a personality change right in mid-conversation? <laughs> all of a sudden, watch this. All the way up. Can you tell I'm excited? <laughs> I'm about to jump out of my shoes here today. <laughs> look, look at this. God says something out of nowhere. How many of you have ever been to a point where you were hanging on the last knot on the rope? You were hanging on to it the last knot. And then out of nowhere... I mean, you, you didn't expect it. God spoke. <laughs> I'm about to cry. <laughs> Listen to what he says. Sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. We all know about the history of Jerusalem. Twice it fell. Twice it's been destroyed. But here he's talking about something future. Watch this. The Lord hath taken away thy judgment. Somebody needs to hear that. He's taken away thy judgments. Now get this. How many of you remember what the pastor said last week? I about jumped out of my seat. You remember when he talked about Samuel Rodriguez? There at the last of the service, at the very last of the service, he had all the pastors standing and he told them, he said, by the time you get home, and I, I'm very well acquainted with Samuel Rodriguez. He's a, he, he's a uh, Hispanic individual, a young man, anointed of the Lord. God is using him unbelievably. And I've heard him. and I, 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 he, he preaches word, the word, nothing but the word. And he said, he spoke to those pastors and told them, and he preached about the God Dagon and, and God himself, that both of them can't stand in the same place. You're either on God's side or you're on Dagon's side. One of the two. And he said, by the time you get home. Now, how many of you know we've had some struggles here? We have had some struggles. That's part and parcel of the territory. Duh. It's going to happen. Anytime you're doing something for the kingdom of God. I, aren't you glad you're not in a church that's satisfied with just the norm? 
Aren't you glad that you're a part of body of a body of Christ, the literal body of Christ that's concerned about reaching the loss that has the heart of God and wants to do the most important thing and that is to reach souls. You know, it'd be great to have a pretty church, but you know what? That's insignificant. It's all about touching the lives of people. And you remember what he said? He told them, by the time you get home, that Dagon that stood in front of you, that's resisted you, and said that I'm the one in charge, he's going to be gone. Listen to this next verse. I about jumped out of my seat because I'd already been studying for a week for this. What did he say? Not only have I taken away your judgment, I have cast out the enemy. (laughs) I have cast the enemy. That one that stood in front of us, that one that's been hindering us, that one that's trying to hamper the move of God and what God wants to do in this location, I serve notice today that coming very near in the future, this is going to be God's territory because the kingdom of God is going to be established on this earth, in this place, by this people, in this church. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. Let's read on. Verse 16. In that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear thou not, and to Zion, Let not thine hands be slack. The Lord thy God is in the midst, in the midst of thee is mighty. Folks, he's in our midst. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. Wow. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. Now watch this. Right here, he's talking about the future. I will gather them that are sorrowful for the solemn assembly. Who are they to whom the reproach of it was a burden? Behold, at that time I will undo all that afflict thee. I will save her that is halteth or is lame and gather her that was driven out. And I will get them praise and fame in every land where they have been put to shame. Oh, this stuff is loaded. You won't believe this. At that time, I will bring you again, even in the time that I gather you, for I will make you a name and a praise among all the people of the earth. When I turn back your captivity, that was in a song this morning, by the way, (laughs) before your eyes saith the Lord. In other words, get ready. Be looking for it. It's going to happen. Hence the title of my message. It's coming. You'll see. Let's pray. Dale, would you lead us in prayer? Yes, yes. Oh, yes. Grant it, Lord. Hallelujah. You may be seated. The very first verse there in this passage is what we would consider a greeting, a salutation. And no one, I don't think anybody was ready for this salutation and this greeting. After all they, how many of you have ever been in a position or in a place where you've been through so much One thing after another, back to back. I mean, when is this going to end, you're saying? How much longer? And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, God speaks, and all of a sudden, everything changes. How many of you ever experienced that? Only God can do that. 
Amen? So I, I'm sure they're surprised at this. I'm sure that they're probably even flabbergasted that out of nowhere God starts talking nice to me. <laughs> but you know what? Everything they've done, they deserve the judgment that came. And that's what prior to this passage right here before verse 14 and these three minor prophets here, four minor prophets, that's what they've been talking about, all the judgment that's coming and what God's going to do. And this is happening because you did this and you knew you weren't supposed to do this. Uh, you've forsaken my laws. you turned your back. You've gone on to after other nations. You're doing the same thing they do. And then all of a sudden, here it comes, this awesome, unbelievable word. Now, see, I'm not used to this. I was very skittish about that because I've never preached on anything prophetic. Uh, so get ready. <laughs> this ought to be a doozy today. Watch this. But listen to this. He, he makes a declaration. He makes a declaration. The Lord has taken away your judgment. You know, it's sad that in this day and time, there are individuals who, who sit in the house of God. On many occasions, they hear good things. They hear positive things. But you know what? They sit there and they think, well, that's for somebody else. That's not for me. That doesn't apply to me. I'm not worthy of that. And you know what? There are individuals. There may be somebody sitting here today that you've been going through so much hell. It's been one thing after another. It doesn't look good. doesn't have any future forecast like it's going to look any better. And you know what? You're thinking it's the hand of God judging you. The devil is a liar. Can I say that again? The devil is a liar. That is not God judging you. We are living in the time of grace. And I'm going to explain this. He says, the Lord has taken away your judgment. That word taken away simply means to withdraw, to put away, or to remove. God said, I've removed it. Yes, I know what I've done, and it's over. I've taken away. How many of you experienced that the day you got saved? How many of you experienced that? There are a lot of people still sitting in churches today who can't get on with their life. They're, they're not advancing towards their destiny that God has for them because they still think somehow, some way, God's got a thumb on them and he's pressing on them. That's not the God that we serve. <coughs> Amen. Often, all too often, we mistake the enemy's attacks on us and our trials and tribulations as God's judgment against us. We just don't understand the provision of God's grace. Because you are experiencing hardships and difficulties does not mean that you are under the judgment of God. Well, the question is this then. If it's not God judging me, then what in the world is it? What's up with all the heartaches, the hurts, the pains, the suffering, the constant turmoil in my life, the chaos? What is it? Number one, it very well could be you need to get saved. Now, that wasn't in my notes. That, I just sort of interjected that. It, it's not on the screen. You may need to get saved. Because I tell you, when you get saved, it will change. Because when you come under the safety of the care of the loving Heavenly Father that loves you and gave His Son's life for you, I want to tell you, that whole picture changes now listen to me, you'll still have some trials and tribulations, but I want to tell you, it won't be nothing compared to what you were living before you ever met him. Somebody say amen. So the question is, 
What's up with all this stuff that I'm dealing with that never seems to go away and it's like it's never going to end? Number one, listen, this, it's not God's judgment. According to Scripture, there are several things we need to take a look at. Number one, number one, it's the curse. Even we Christians, we're still under a curse. I, I, I still have hair falling out. That shouldn't be happening. I don't have a problem with turning gray, but still coming out, that's another story. That shouldn't be happening. But you know what? That's a part of the fall. The aches and pains we still have. Aren't you glad that God made provision for healing? But we still, we still have to deal with it, don't we? We still deal with it. That's because we're under a curse. Listen, after the fall of Adam and Eve, a curse fell upon all humanity and the earth because of sin. That curse will not be lifted until the kingdom of God is set upon this earth and when Jesus comes back to rule and reign. That's when it's going to change. Amen? Listen to Matthew chapter 5, verse 45. He maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. Do you hear that? Hey, the good and bad, it comes to the just and the unjust. Romans 8, 22. Now listen to this. We understand why the earth is acting the way it is and the things that are going on, and it's increasing. Listen to Romans 8, 22. For we know that the whole creation groaneth. How many of you know even this earth has been affected by sin? The whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also which have the first fruits of the Spirit. He's talking about we believers. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit for the redemption of our body. How you know that's not complete yet? That happens when Jesus comes and we're transformed in the twinkling of an eye. So that's one thing. What's the second thing? It's called, oh, we don't like this word law. It's called the law of sowing and reaping. What is that? Well, I didn't do the best with the illustration, but in the middle you see there the spirit on the right side and right out beside it, good choices. And then on the left side, the flesh equals what? Bad choices. Simple, isn't it? Flesh equals bad choices. Spirit equals good choices. But the problem is they're both existing together in this case. And what that means is it's called warfare. It's called spiritual warfare. I want to tell you, we need to understand this law of sowing and reaping. Galatians 6 and verse 18. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Another way, hey folks, that verse applies to believers too. Because I tell you, some of us believers have made some pretty dumb mistakes sometimes and some bad decisions, even as a Christian. Somebody say amen. I know that's hard for some folks to believe. They're, they're above us. I don't know how they got there, but they're above us. But the fact of the matter is we do make bad choices sometimes because we're not in the Word enough, we're not praying enough, and we're not sick. It, it interests me in the Old Testament, under the law, you read repeatedly, where men of God and prophets of God, the Bibles would talk about them setting themselves to seek God. They would seek counsel with God. They would seek direction. 
Seems like a lot of believers today are having a hard time with that. But that's the only way it's going to work out the way it's supposed to. you got to have the direction of God. I appreciate her, our pastor. Not jump, Listen, I can tell you of stories where pastors have jumped the gun and jumped after something because it looked good and they missed the will of God. Thank God for a pastor who's going to stand his ground. He's got the ear of God. He hears God. He knows when God speaks. And when God speaks, he responds. Thank God for a pastor like that. Amen. So what's the other thing? The third thing is this. It's the attack of the enemy. Anybody here ever been under attack? Anybody here under attack right now? Are you? Go ahead and lift your hand. Guess what? <laughs> There's good news for you. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Our God is for us. He's not against us. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly what we can even think or ask Listen to this, according to the power that works in us. That's what you got to, that's why the Bible talks about drawing from the wells of salvation. Where are the wells at? Hey, Jesus is the well. He's an endless well. He lives inside, so you got to draw right through. It's in you. You just got to draw from it. Now, listen to this. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. How many of you know, when, when you read the life of the Apostle Paul, how many of you know it makes you feel about like that? Can I hear an amen? When I read what this guy, what he went through, I want to tell you, it's pitiful for me to whine or complain about anything. When I look at what this man went through, and lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Hey, don't anybody be looking at your husband or your wife there. <laughs> The messenger of Satan to buffet me. You know, sad, there are some men and women that think that about their spouse. Come on now. Let, let's loosen up here a little bit. Yes, there are some people who think, yeah, this person right here. No, guess what? Your, your world's worst enemy is not the devil, it's you. And I'll move on with that. The bottom line, listen. It is with either, it was either a problem or some kind of difficulty that uh, Paul was dealing with. It could have been something designed to be an ongoing annoyance or inconvenience which was used by the enemy to distract him. It was there, he, it was a, more than likely it was something physical that he dealt with. Most theologians, you know, they have their ideas about this. But how many of you know it's good not to project beyond what Scripture says? What you don't know, zip it. <laughs> but, a, but with most theologians, they all agree on this, that more than likely it was something physical. Now, what we need to understand is here, here's the bottom line of this. God has no desire to judge us because Jesus took all of God's judgment and punishment upon himself. He took our place on the cross. We should have been on the cross, not him. But the problem was, any one of us, if we were on the cross, we would have been the imperfect sacrifice. We couldn't have made atonement for the sins of all humanity. That could have never happened. Your sin and rebellion was judged at the cross. Amen? Now, what's wonderful about this thing about judgment is God came up with a solution. 
How many of you glad? How many of you glad? I mean, you're really thrilled that God's smart, smarter than you are. God came up with a solution. You know what it's called? It's called grace. Grace. Now, you see this little thing I put together here. You got the law on one side and you got grace. You know, how many of you know you can't live in two worlds? You can't live in two worlds. You have to live in one or the other because they don't mix. It's interesting in the Old Testament. You know what one of the sins was that God put down on the law book? It was called the sin of mixture. You couldn't mix. Get this. You couldn't mix material. You couldn't mix. That wasn't allowed. Sounds ridiculous. You know why? It sounds ridiculous because, uh, uh, because you know who wanted the law? God wanted, to, God wanted himself to be their rule. But you know what? They didn't want that. They wanted the law. And the only thing that happened is it proved them wrong. And it showed them that they couldn't even keep the law. It showed them the evil that was in them. Now listen to this. Under the law, you're condemned. Under spirit, you're pardoned. How many have been pardoned? Under the law, the law divides. But under the grace, grace brings together. Amen? Under the law, it takes things away from you. Look at all the penal institutions. They're filled with people. Don't tell me the law doesn't take away from you. When you come under that harsh, hard law, it will take everything from you and leave you with nothing. Under the law, it takes away from you, but under grace, it adds to you, and it keeps adding, and it keeps adding, and it keeps adding. Get this. Under the law, it demands justice. Under grace, it dispenses forgiveness. Under the law, it holds your evil deeds against you. Under grace, it wipes your record clean. Under the law, you're guilty. No chance of repeal. But under the Spirit, under grace, you're innocent in the eyes of God. Under the law, you're shamed. But I want to say, if you're a visitor here today, you're at the right place. Because we don't shame people. We love people. We honor them. Amen. That's what we do here. That's a part and parcel of who we are in this place. Under the law, it's nothing but bondage. How many of you remember what it was like being under the law? I'm talking about after you got saved because some of us were in a lot of that law and we didn't realize we were there. Grace brings freedom. So what about my past? Everybody has a past, but you don't need to allow your past to have you. Let me say that again. Everybody's got a past here. We could tell some stories, but you know what? I really don't like talking about the past because there's not much good back there. Because thus far, since the day I got saved, oh, there's been some hard, rough times. But I want to tell you something. It's far better, and the future, future's looking brighter and brighter every day that I live. I have nothing to look back to. Stop visiting your past mistakes, your sins, and your failures, because God has cast them into sea. Micah 7, verse 19. You will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. Isn't that awesome? Listen to this, Hebrews 8, 12. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. You ever been around somebody that's always bringing up something that you forgot, you know, years and years ago, and they, they, they wanted to talk about that? You know what you need to do? 
kick them out the door. Just kick them out. Now, I'm telling you, there's some people right here right now. And I feel like I'm speaking prophetically right here. There are some individuals here right now that are dealing with this thing, still dealing with this thing about judgment. And it all has to do with your past. But I want to tell you, hear, hear me. What you need to do is, you know, you've been riding around all these years. And if you're here and you're unsaved, this is a perfect picture of you. You've been riding all these years around through life in the car of life. And guess who's in the back seat? That, that back seat driver, and you know who he is. He's been trying to direct your life. What you need to do is come abruptly to a stop, open the door, and kick him out to the curb and tell him, your jokes aren't any good. All the conversations you had with me, it was never good. It was always bad. You never had any encouragement. You never had anything good to say. So, off either saying, see you later. You're out of here. That's what you need to do. And you, hear me, you have the authority to do it in the name of Jesus. Why are you putting up with all that junk? Why do you want to live with that rottenness and that stink and that foul devil? You need to just kick him out and you can do it here today. And I'll tell you, you can do it in such a way that you'll never look back again when you experience the power and the presence of God in your life. Hallelujah. Don't allow your past to dictate what your future will be. Your future is determined by whom you yield yourself to. Satan can only control your life if you're yielded to him. Did you hear me? He has no authority. Jesus took it all away. Well, how does he rule over people? Whoever you yield yourself to, the Bible says, Romans, Paul writes it, and he says what? To that person you're the slave to. He's controlling your life. My, my point is you can do something about it today that will forever change your destiny. If you just call on the name of the Lord, I'm telling you, he'll save you, he'll set you free, he'll deliver you, and he'll give you a brand new destination and a hope for the future. But that's what you got to do. The ball's in your park. Your destiny belongs to you. Do not let the devil lie to you. Now, look, look, look at these declarations here. I want you to see this. This is amazing. Look at this. The king of Israel, even the Lord is in the midst of thee. Thou shalt not see evil anymore. It says he's in the midst of thee. You know that that word means he's in the center. In a center, in the center. I can tell every believer here right now, if your life is not going the way it needs to go, in fact, you're just questioning things, you're dealing with doubt. And uh, Pastor Holly preached about that. But I'm talking about this is just unbelievable doubt. And I tell you, if you're in that arena, if that's where you are today, it very well could be that some of the stuff you're experiencing that you haven't experienced, it could be that he's not in the center. Because I want to tell you something. When you start drifting from center point, you ask anybody that's out on the oceans, they have a focal point that they attach themselves if they're lost. And you got to keep that focal point. If you ever get to the point that you get so far that you're away from it that you can't see it, guess what? You won't find your way back. 
But if you keep that center point, and that's what God is in our life, he's got to be the center. Isn't that interesting is, in the Old Testament, when they were uh, in the wilderness for those 40 years, you know what they had to do? They had to set up camp. Sometimes they'd move for two days. Someday they'd be on the road six days. And whenever they stopped, they had to set up camp. And guess how it had to be set up? All the 12 tribes, when you looked at it and they had it laid out, guess where they were and guess where the Ark of the Covenant and the tabernacle was? It was smack dab in the middle. And that was a sign. That was a sign to this generation as it was to that generation. God says, if this is going to work, I've got to be at the center. Hear me. You can't play games in serving God. You've got to be real about this. You've got to be honest. You got to say this as for me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. You have to make up your mind. There are too many minds that aren't made up, and the devil's wreaking havoc in your life because you won't make that concrete decision. I'm talking to somebody here today. You here today, right now, you need to make that decision. Today is the last day he's ever going to have his hand on me. Today is the last day that I, all this hell that I've been going through, it's going to change after today because I'm committing my life to Jesus Christ. And he can't do anything about it. you got to make that decision today, today, today. Listen to this. Verse 16. In that day, it shall be said to Jerusalem, fear thou not. Fear thou not. Need we say no more. Count up the number of times in the New Testament that Jesus spoke to his disciples. And he used that very phrase. Fear thou not. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I had a little bit of fear before the service this morning. A little trepidation. A little bit of the nerves. Start having some physical stuff going on back there. And I just took authority over it. Uh-uh. You, no, no. Uh-uh. I'm not allowing this. I got to preach. Sorry. You got you to go out of here you folks you got to take authority over this stuff and we have that name in the name of jesus we have that authority in his name so what did he say there he said to them fear thou not and to zion let not thine hands be slack that's that's interesting let not your hands be slack what does that mean it means don't let your hands cease doing what they're doing it means don't let your hands fail don't let your hands be still. Don't let your hands be idle. Don't let them be slothful. Don't let them come weak. Listen to this verse scripture, Galatians 6, 9. And let us not be weary in well-doing. I feel like that's going to somebody here right now. You become weary. You become weary with where we're at. It's wearing on you. I know it's wearing on you. It's worn on me. But you know what? I have a steadfast decision that I've made in my mind and in my heart. See, it don't work if you just got it up here. You got to get it in your heart. And once you get it in your heart, I'm telling you, all the devils and the demons out of hell can't stop you. Why? Because then Jesus has full control, and that's what we need today. That's what the church needs. It needs to let Jesus take control of the helm again and let him direct it. Let him say what we're going to do. Let him say how we're going to do it. And him say when we're going to do it. Amen. Hallelujah. And then he says, 
The Lord thy God in the midst of thee. That's twice he said that. He said, he's saying that because he, hey, you got to get this down in your spirit. I'm here. How can anybody, how can anybody not believe that God is not in this place with the things we've already seen happen since we've been in this theater? The thing that God's doing. That I'm telling you, the devil is a liar. God is doing some things and he's still going to do some things. Now, I'm trying not to get ahead of myself because there, there's even some better stuff here coming. I'm telling you, the future is brighter, and it's going to happen. Just like my title said, you're going to see it. It's, it's going to happen. Look at this next declaration. It says, he will save. In the, God is in mighty, in the midst of thee is mighty, he will save. Oh, wow. It means to free, to defend, to deliver, to help. To rescue, it's all right there. It's all, he'll save. You know what? That covers everything. So whatever it is you're lacking in your life, I'm telling you, Jesus has got it all covered. He'll take care of it. But you got to let him. And look at this next declaration. How many of you understand what a declaration is? A declaration is somebody, it's either in written word or spoken word. Like when the president speaks and says, this is what we're going to do, that's what we're going to do. It's like a king's decree. When God speaks, he wants you to understand it's going to happen. Don't doubt it. It's going to come to pass. So what's he say there? He will, he will rejoice over thee with joy. He's going to rejoice over you with joy. Think about that. That word rejoice, it means to be bright and to be cheerful. Uh, you know what? Sometimes I have to, you know how I stay sane today? It's reverted. It's different today than what it was years ago. If you talk to yourself years ago, you were, you were insane. That was one of the first signs they looked for. But I want to tell you, it's flipped now. For me, it works fine. You know how I stay sane? I talk to myself. Go ahead and laugh because you want to laugh and you know you do the same thing. I'm telling you, sometimes you got to talk to yourself. You got to shut off this junk that you're listening to. You got to hear, you got to shut out and tune out the naysayers who don't believe it's going to come to pass, don't believe it's going to happen. I want to tell you, let my God be a God who always tells the truth. He is the truth. He's nothing but the truth. And once he speaks something, it's decreed, and that means it's got to happen. It's got to come to pass. Listen, it has to come to pass. Why? Because God is God and there's nobody like him. Would somebody give him praise? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I must say I didn't expect him to bless me this much. <laughs> Hallelujah. Why is he going to do that? Why, is he, why did he make that declaration? What that tells me is God loves us so much. He's doing that because he wants to bless me. He wants to bless you. Come on out of your shell. Experience life. Some of you are still in your shell. That shell of tradition. That shell of not acknowledging everything because you're not too sure about it. Well, get in the book and you can get real sure. That's the problem with us. We're not enough in this word. When you get in this word, I want to tell you, it'll make you sure of everything. Amen. Now, 
Look at this. Verse 18. Here comes the manifestation. Here it is now. This is the manifestation. Now, you see, he's speaking this whole thing. We know he's speaking to the house of Israel. But five Sundays ago when I stood before this congregation and I stood up here and the Lord had given me that verse of Scripture, uh, verse 15, and I shared it. And the pastor talked to me about it. You know what? I knew that was to the children of Israel. That's speaking to them. But that morning, that was speaking, and many of you weren't here. And we're not faulting you for that. That's early prayer when we have prayer. But I knew, and pastor confirmed it with me. I just, I came across it in that quick. I, yeah, yeah, that, I, I need to, I didn't know why. I just, yeah, I need, to, I need to get that verse in the morning. And I did, having no idea what the Lord was going to show me several weeks down the road. Isn't God good? Isn't he good? Now get this. Look at these manifestations. First, first of all, I will gather them that are sorrowful for a solemn assembly. I'm going to bring them together back for the solemn assembly. How many of you remember what the solemn assembly was in the Old Testament? It's the time when they would celebrate their feasts and their festivals. It was to be a time of worship and tribute to God. But how many of you know something went awry? Something went sideways because God finally spoke up and he said, why are you putting on a show? Why are you putting on a show? Why are you doing? You're going through the form and the ritual of everything. But the problem is this. I know you're, you're doing that and in disguise of the fact that you have some hidden things in your life. That's what he said. Read through that part where God responds. He's, he's had it up to here, and he finally speaks to him, and he says, I don't want any more of your feasts. I don't want any more festivals. I don't want you to have them. I don't want you to perform them because your heart's not in them. Your heart's far from me. Now, you know what I believe this is speaking to? I believe, if the Lord tarries, this is speaking to a generation. Listen, some of you sitting here today have been a part of churches. I can tell you right now, off and on, I attended, I went to two different churches on a Sunday morning. On a, and I'm not, I'm not putting anything off bad on the, the, the church that I went to on a regular basis. But I needed something. I needed healing. I needed something done in my spirit, and I didn't know what it was. I just knew something wasn't right. You know where I went? I went to Springdale Nazarene Church. I went there. And the first three Sundays that I was there, you would have thought that these people were Pentecostal. I'm telling you, and the congregation peppered through the congregation. I'm talking about Nazarene Church. They don't believe in this thing called the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the, in the infilling of the Holy Ghost. They, they believe in worship. And I want to tell you, they put a lot of churches I've been in in the last 10 to 15 years to shame. Uh, I'm telling you, up there in the congregation, out in the congregation, up in the choir. Man, when you looked at the faces, there weren't those that had this look on their face. Oh, I'll be glad when this is over. 
No, they were up there singing with all their hearts, and you could tell it was coming for their heart. It was ministry to them. And they you could tell by the looks on their face, they really didn't care too much about the people out there. They were just so enveloped in the presence and the touch of God on their life and filling His presence. Everything they were singing, they were singing unto God and God alone. They didn't care. Listen, God's going to bring us back to a day when we when we no longer worry about people around us and what they're going to think and we're going to get back to this thing where what we do when we worship we worship with all our heart our strength, our might and our soul and we don't care what anybody thinks we're just going to let it be known that God is great, that God is good and He's my God we're not ashamed of it look at this next one Oh, I love this. Behold, at that time, I will undo all that afflict thee. I'm going to undo them. What's that mean? Get this now. To undo means to bruise, to take charge of, to deal with, to depress. Now, that by itself... Doesn't mean all that much until you look at the word afflict. That word afflict, get this, means looking down on, to look down on, to, to browbeat. You know what God's saying there? There are a lot of us have, that have gone through this browbeating thing. Uh-huh, we've been looked down on. You know what that, uh, that's saying to me is that enemy, those, those individuals that put you to shame, that made fun of you, Thought you were stupid, you're an idiot, this thing about God, you're off your rocker, you, you, you've lost it, you've lost it. You, you, know, you already know, folks, that the world wished we were all gone, don't you? Guess what, their wish is going to come true. They wish we were all gone. But until that time, till the Lord does come, we're here. And we're going to make it, uh, we're just simply going to make it known. We don't apologize for who we are. And we're going to stand up for, and we're proud to be a child of the living God. It's time to quit backing down and backing up and giving everybody else all the, the nice places and expecting them to get all the good stuff. I want to tell you, God is saying, I'm going to bless my people. And that old enemy that was hounding your trail constantly on your tail, annoying you and aggravating you, I'm going to deal with him. You're not going to see him anymore. You're not going to have to deal with it anymore because I'm taking charge. Hallelujah. God says, I'm going to take the helm. Now watch this. Then he says, and when you study this, these are what I call the seven I wills. How many of you know seven is the, the number of perfection? It means completeness and wholeness. So the next thing he says he said, I'm going to say those who are lame. Who are that? We know what lame people are. Those that limp. And it's what that is, that's an adversity. From a word, it comes from a word which means limping as if one-sided. Have you ever seen anybody like that? Just they can all use one side. Most times you know what that is. That's the person who's had a stroke, is who that is. God says those individuals who have been dealt such a blow in their life. That all they can do anymore in life is just limp along. He said, I'm going to change that. I'm going to turn that around. And they're going to walk like they used to walk. 
with their chest out, their head up, and praising God. That's the picture of he, of what he wants to do for the church. Yeah, just like he did for the house of Israel, that's what he wants to do for this local congregation. <sighs> and to save, it means the same word as that word a while ago, to defend, to help, to rescue. Now, get this one. He says, then he's going to gather those. I will gather those who were driven out. Whoa, does this speak to the church big time? What's it mean? It means to push off, to expel, to banish, to drive away, basically to be an outcast. How many of you know people with good intentions over the years, Christians, have driven away many a people? Mm -hmm. We've driven away people. But you know what God says? I'm going to right that wrong. God says, I'm going to right that wrong. I'm going to gather. I'm going to bring them back. Yeah, did, did you hear what I just said? God said, I'm going to bring them back. I think this church is going to see an influx. It's just not going to be, listen to me, it's not going to be about just sinners getting saved who have never had an experience, who don't know anything about God, who's never experienced what we've experienced. I'm talking about people who have been here and they didn't leave on their own accord. I, I want to say that again. They didn't leave on their own accord. They were pushed out. They were driven out. Now, see, sometimes the church doesn't want to talk about its history. But our history, like anybody else's history, is what it is, right? So he's saying, those that were driven out, I'm going to bring them back. That's amazing. Listen to this. Then God says, I will get them praise and fame in the places you've been shamed. In the place and where, places where you've been shamed. In the places where you've been shamed. Think about this. What's shame? It's a painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior, whether from your own actions or that of another. God's saying that putting you down, that shame, that hurt, God says, I'm going to take care of that. Now watch this. He said, I'm going to get them praise and fame. Well, what's it mean? Praise means to make a show, to boast, to rave. And then that word fame means a name or a title. It simply is talking about honor, authority, and character. God says, I'm going to establish my church the way it was intended to be established. They're not going to be a bunch of people sitting on the back row letting everybody take the front seats. They're going to be right in the middle of everything, involved in everything. And I'm going to bless them and I'm going to use them for my glory and honor to build the kingdom. Folks, we're going to see it. That's what's coming. It's going to happen. It's God's problem. It's his declaration. And it's just not for the house of Israel. It's for everyone here. Our future lies before us. So what are we going to do? Think about that. And then watch this. He said, I'll bring us back again. I will bring you back again. I think what he's talking about there, he's, bringing us, he's simply bringing the church back to its former state. How many of you know a lot of the church today is not operating like the New Testament church operated? Uh, it's, it's not. 
And when we start operating according to the principles you see in the book of Acts, all through the book of Acts, I want to tell you, then you're going to see the restoration of some things we've missed out on. It, it will happen. I'm telling you, you got to operate just like they do. You know, I remember I used to be, when I first heard about small group, I heard about it before I came to our church. And I wasn't too hip on it. You know why? Because of things you hear. Uh-huh. Yeah. But you know what? One day I was reading, and I came across Acts chapter 2. And the Bible says they went from house to house, <laughs> breaking of bread, fellowshipping, caring for one another, sharing with one another, praying, blessing the Lord. They did that. They did that, didn't they? Amen. Is my time up? <laughs> okay. And last of all, he says this. I'm going to turn back your captivity. That means to deliver again. Captivity, what is that? That's the exile, the prisoners. The exile and the prisoners. How many of you know there's a lot of people out there that are prisoners? They're not behind prison bars, but they're prisoners. God said, I'm going to bring them into my house. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm going to bring them in. So the point is this. The future state of Israel and the church of Jesus Christ is looking up. Those seven things he just told us, they're going to come to pass. We're going to witness them. We're going to see them with our own very eyes. Proverbs 29 and 18, and I close with this. God is a God of faithfulness and is going to bring restoration to the church of today, just as he prophesied and promised to the house of Israel. Proverbs 29, 18. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Folks, we need to see what God sees. He was prophesying what he already saw because he already knew what he was going to do. So we need to see what God sees. That word vision in Proverbs 29, it literally means a revelation or mentally sight. Listen, I can ask you to tell me about your house and you know what? You'd be able to tell me where every room is in your house. You'd be able to tell me how you go downstairs, all that. You know why? You know why? Because imagination, vision, you, what's it do? It paints a picture in your mind. What God is telling, new, listen, what God is telling Bridge of Hope Church is you got to see it before you see it. You got uh, That's faith. Faith believes before it ever comes to pass. God says you got to see it, and if you'll see it, it'll come to pass. Because imagination, how many of you know imagination can be good and it can be bad? Remember the Tower of Babel? It was bad. God said, if I don't stop these people, uh, they're going to build all the way to heaven here. I'm going to stop them. I've got to stop them. And he did. Why? Because their intent was not good. Their hearts were all evil. But you read in other verses, and we don't even have time to get into that, where imagination is talked about. It talks. Listen, your imagination is the birthing place. It's the womb for what's to come in the future. Did you hear what I said? It's the birthing place. That's where it happens, in your imagination, having that vision. And God, listen, God has given us the vision through our pastor. About five, six months ago, he, he cast it out there. He put it out there. And I wasn't surprised what it was because, you know what? What he was describing is what was in the New Testament church. 
That's what it's about. It's not about us coming here and doing our thing every Sunday and go and then just meet again another six, seven days later. No, it's about this world out here. It's not about what's going on in here. Everything going on here is to God. Everything going out there is going to them in behalf of God. Amen. Let's everybody stand together. Father, I thank you for your word today. Thank you for helping me today to get this out the way you put it in my heart. Now, Father, there are those here, those here, some, yes, that may feel under judgment still. Help them to understand. It could have been bad. It could be bad choices. Or it could be the fact that, Lord, we're just, we're still under the curse. Bad things happen to good people, and good things happen to bad people. We have no control over that, but one thing we do have control over, and that is where our destiny lies and what our future holds. So now, in the name of Jesus, would you help us all to be of one mind in this place and to see what you have prepared for Bridge of Hope Church. I see it. I already see it. The picture's been painted. And by your help and by your grace and through the enabling of your spirit, God, we're going to see it happen. It's coming. It's coming. And we're going to see it. Hallelujah. I want everybody, I, this is what I feel like we ought to do. Everybody right now, just before they begin to sing, would you raise your hands right now and let's give praise to God. Let's give praise and let's thank Him for what's coming before it ever comes. Before we ever witness it, before we ever see it, let's give Him thanks. Father, we just praise you today. You're a good God. You love us so much. And you love this church so much, Lord. This church is on your heart. Every church, every local congregation is on your heart. But, Lord, I know you spoke this into my heart five weeks ago when I shared that verse. And the pastor spoke to me about developing. And, and Lord, I was reluctant. But you put it in my heart and you showed me. You opened. There was a revelation, an uncovering of what you want to do for your people. And, Lord, we right now here in Jesus' name, we declare in the name of Jesus that we will march forward. We will be militant, and we will praise, give praise and honor to you at all times and all places without regret and without shame. I bless you right now, and I thank you for what's coming. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah.